Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. that Apple announced their plans for their new TV service, Jeffers favorite State of the Union won three Emmys, and Freddie Flintoff crashed while filming Top Gear, this is Series Linked, with me, Emma Bullymore from The TV Times, and Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. Coming up, we'll be chatting with the brilliant Danny Mays about his latest role in the new drama Temple. You might have seen that on Sky. Plus, Mike Bushell will be sharing his box set to watch before you die. But first, Jeffers, let's get stuck into a couple of Netflix shows. They are back after a bit of a summer break. They've got loads out. Let's start with Top Boy, which people remember as a Channel 4 show. Yeah, I mean, most people should remember this. It was Channel 4, 2011 till 2013. People who liked it seemed to really love it back then, and there was quite a shock when it got axed. Um, it did about a million viewers, so I guess that was the reason why. And then sort of out of nowhere, it suddenly come back. Drake, as the rapper, he's responsible. He's an exec producer on it. I think he maybe bankrolled some of it. Around November 2017, he got involved, and, and now it's back. It's 10 big episodes. It feels like there's a bit more budget behind it, perhaps, than when it was on Channel 4. It's all around, really, this summer house uh, housing estate, a fictional estate in Hackney, and it's, it's about sort of gang life there, crime, drugs that type of thing. And we've got the same main two actors, which is Ashley Walters and Kane Robinson. And we've also got some new young actors and basically some new gang members, for want of a better phrase. I think if you like the original, you're going to like this. And yeah, that's sort of where I'd start off from. What, what do you think about it? Well, firstly, I'm just loving that Drake can watch something and be like, it's not on TV anymore. I want it to be on TV. So let's make that happen. If it were me, I'd bring back Going for Gold, that kind of style of programme. The OC would be back now for sure, me on Netflix. Sure, exactly. Yeah. However, Drake is much cooler than me and therefore he's brought back Top Boy. I found it really difficult to get into, I have to say. Ashley Walters is brilliant. I thought the acting was excellent. It was very naturalistic, very believable. But because I so don't relate to that world, and I know that, that that doesn't have to be the case, I also don't really relate to the world of Line of Duty, but I love it. But I felt it was quite difficult to get into it. It was difficult for me to, I don't know, feel like any of the characters had something that I could respond to. And yet it didn't feel crazy enough and like a big enough story for me to just put that to one side and accept it as a, as a big piece of fantasy television because it was supposed to be gritty and realistic so even though I could see that it was done well and I think it's great that there are loads of different perspectives and I'm sure there are loads of people saying well you like Fleabag and I don't relate to her she's nothing like me I get that but I just found it quite impenetrable I think you've got to give it a few episodes I watched it over the weekend and I, I got stuck in and watched three back to back and by then I felt like it was building up to something there was more tension 
I got to know some of the new characters. Michael Ward plays Jamie. He's one of the new big sort of uh, drug dealers in it. And I thought he was a really, he's a really good addition. Also, Ashley Walters' character, Deshane, he's fled to Jamaica where it starts. So first episode, first two episodes, he's only just sort of coming back into it. He's not really in it a lot of the start because I think they're trying to introduce the new characters. And so I think it definitely does take a little while to get going. Also take the point that it's not going to be for everyone. And that that's fine. Not necessarily everything we talk about in here is going to be right up our street. And I think the people who who like the original Top Boy are going to really like this. There's also been, I noticed some criticism from people saying, well, this is just one type of black culture and it shouldn't, TV shouldn't all be about sort of gangs and drugs when it comes to things like this. But I think there is a place for Top Boy. Drake obviously thinks there is. There's lots of people who do enjoy this kind of TV. Like I said, if you like the original, I think you're going to like this. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, it's going to necessarily going to confer a lot of new watchers, but it, what it does, I think it does well. And something that is going to get loads of people watching and talking is criminal because David Tennant's in it. So therefore, you've immediately got millions of viewers. Set this up for us. So this is an night till Friday. launched on September the 20th. It's quite an ambitious project. It's 12 different stories in four different countries in four languages. But it's all really in one room. It's just in that interrogation room of a police station, really. And the first episode is David Tennant. It's also got a really good uh, sort of other lineup, if you like, of other sort of additional cast. Catherine Kelly, um, Lee Ingleby, friend of the podcast, Roshendo Sandal from Line of Duty. But really, it's just about this one scene, if you like, and it goes on for 45 minutes. And in this case, David Tennant is the accused and he's been grilled by a couple of police officers. And I've got to tell you, the first episode of this, it's one of the best things I've seen all year, I think. No. I thought it was absolutely superb. I think if you like Line of Duty... This first episode with David Tennant is absolutely incredible, really gripping stuff. I've got to say, I've watched another couple of episodes. They're nowhere near as good as that first one. So I I do think it's just that particular one with Tennant in it that I really love. But I would urge anyone who likes Line of Duty, I think this is really, really good. You think it's the best thing you've seen all year? I didn't say the best thing. I said one of the best things. But I think it's really gripping. I'll be honest, I went in with quite low expectations and I just got really into it. David Tennant, everyone knows he's a great actor. And this, I think he says uh, the words no comment. That's all he says for the first, like, maybe 15 minutes. But even then, just it, the way his sort of character on screen, I'm getting more and more gripped. Are they going to break him down? Is he going to say anything? We're learning more about the case. I just really, really liked it. I guess those scenes in Line of Duty with AC12, they're the scenes I really enjoy. They're really good interview scenes. And people say sometimes they last 20 minutes and... They really love them. And I just, I guess maybe it was just a time and place, but I just got really invested in this and I really, really enjoyed it just as a one-off. As I say, I haven't watched all the other episodes and I'm sure the ones in the other languages I might find more difficult to get into. But this one episode, I reckon everyone should watch. For me, this isn't a patch on A Confession, which is out at the moment. It's one of those things that because it's on Netflix, because it's got Tenant in it, it will be, this is so cool, you know, this is brilliant. I find the bits in line of due to the interrogation scenes that I know are extremely celebrated I don't find that the best bit of Line of Duty at all. I think it's quite self-indulgent, actually, a lot of the time, and I I prefer it when it's pacier. I thought the interrogation bit between Lee Ingleby, who is a great actor, and David Tennant, that was great. The stuff happening behind the glass, they had good actors, but they gave them nothing to play with. They were all cliched characters. And I just think, yeah, it just annoys me. If you take something like Scott and Bailey that was on ITV a few years ago, their interview scenes felt really real. Knowing certain police officers, they would say that is the the most real depiction of a police interview I've seen. It wasn't dramatic. It went through the procedure. And I found that absolutely compelling. This, to me, felt like a TV drama doing interrogation. I just felt like I'd seen it before, but it was re-glossed up. And it sort of annoys me that a new generation who hasn't seen all the crime drama that's out there will say, oh, well, yeah, this is really cool. And I love it because it's on Netflix. It's not bad. It's all right. 
but it was nowhere near as good as I was expecting. And I'm shocked that you think it's that good. I think I take your point that maybe it's a bit theatrical and not so uh, technical. I just love the theatre of it. I think David Tennant, we all know, is a great actor. I disagree a bit. I think the subplot, the other side of the of the glass, if you like, between the other characters, I like that. I thought Roshenda was really good. Catherine Kelly, really decent as well in sort of very small parts. But yeah, the lean will be David Tennant's sort of trade-off, the sort of match-up. I really, really enjoyed watching that. I also felt that they kept the tension, kept the tension, then were running out of time with the episode and therefore had to just wrap it up really quickly and that was a bit annoying. But there you go. Have a, have a watch and see what you think. Now, time for our guest. This week, we have the star of several TV dramas, including Rogue One, Mrs. Biggs, Good Omens, loads. And he joined us to talk about his brand new show on Sky One, Temple. You may have seen it. It's been out for a few days. And he's got so much stuff coming up as well. So we were chatting to him about some upcoming projects. Here he is, the one and only Danny Mays. Hello, Danny. Thanks for being here. Absolute pleasure. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, good. Thank you. So tell us all about Temple, because this is unlike anything else that's on TV at the moment. It is unlike anything you've seen before. It's essentially about a illegal, illicit, underground operating theatre underneath Temple Tube Station. And it is run by two characters, one of which is the lead character, Daniel Milton, played by Mark Strong, who's a high-flying very successful surgeon. He's married with a daughter. And the other character is my character called Lee, who is a prepper. His job entails him to have access to vast amounts of underground space underneath the city of London and disused train stations and things like that. And they are somewhat of an odd couple and things spiral in a different direction for Daniel's life Hence why they begin to come up with this plan to treat various people who don't want to have operations through conventional means, whether that be illegal immigrants or criminals or CEOs of big companies. It's like a thriller. It's a love story. There's police in it, but it's not a procedural cop show. And Some it, bits are quite caperish, aren't they? When you're like looking around for some blood in the fridge and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. It is based on the... A Norwegian series called Valkyrian. Uh, this is obviously the British remake. And our scripts are written by an amazing writer called Marco Rowe, who who's, comes from, he's an Irish playwright, essentially. And what he's added to these scripts is an amazing sort of dark humour which runs through it. I mean, at, at times I think it's absolutely hilarious in terms of where the characters find themselves and the difficult scenarios they have to sort of manoeuvre their way through. So... That's why I loved it. I couldn't categorise it. I couldn't place it in a box. And in a sort of industry that's so genre-led, I think this is, it feels to me like a breath of fresh air. And was Mark already on board when you, um, when you took the role? Because you guys just seemed to hit it off the, the double app right from the first yeah. episode. Seems, seems really good, the chemistry and everything. This is Mark's first production with, uh, with Hero Productions uh, with his wife, Liza Marshall, who used to, uh, was head of drama at Channel 4. So this is their first ever production. So it's a real honour to be asked to um, to be part of it. And they were the two guys that saw the Norwegian version, loved the, loved the show and jumped on a plane and went to Oslo and, and somehow managed to get the rights. So they were very much, you know, on board with it from day one and... It was great. I, I bumped into them at Eddie Marzan's 50th. Of course you did. <laughs> and uh, I hate that word, networking. 
Like, I really honestly can't stand that. But I'd worked with Mark and Liza before on Welcome to the Punch. She shot and killed me in the Ministry of Sound. So he probably, <laughs> he, he owed me. And then I literally, so I hadn't seen uh, Mark for a long, long time. And we just like chatted and he didn't say anything about Temple to me at the party. And then... Um, it was a week later, the offer came through. So maybe I, my, my, I might have done something right at the, <laughs> Eddie Marzan's 50th. But it was great. And um, they're such an odd couple, the characters. You know, he's very contained and uh, high-flying uh, surgeon, very successful. Uh, and I'm a bit <laughs> manic, shall we say. It's difficult to get a handle on him, whether he's a good guy or... Because he's, he's got some dark history, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he... he I had to do a lot of research into the world of prepping. So it was, I just didn't know what that was about at all. You know, it's a sort of very nihilistic outlook on the world. If, if you know, we're going to come to this apocalyptic ending, it's actually quite prevalent with what's going on with Brexit. If we are heading to a no deal, there's all this talk about people being self-sufficient and stockpiling fuel and medicine and we're all going to run out. So maybe, you know, the preppers of this world are probably one step ahead of the game. But he's an interesting character, my character, Lee, because he is lonely and insular and, you know, in his normal day job and things, he's ridiculed by his workmates. This is sort of like his passion. He could be like a train spotter or, a, a you know, I don't know, into tiddlywinks or whatever, but his thing is prepping and the stuff that happens to Mark's character allows him to pretty much fulfill his dream but he's on the dark web he has access to sort of criminality as such and has a few sort of connections there is a mysterious enigmatic quality i think to the character without doubt and we should also mention the set it looks absolutely fantastic um but i just wonder was any of it actually filmed underground because obviously it's sort of set underneath temple station the bunker as we called it was really like a sort of character all in itself and that was a set build in Southall in the disused honey monster sugar puff factory in Southall <laughs> so you'd walk into work and there'd be um the abandoned honey monster costume in one of the offices <laughs> which was very freaky and um you know various merchandise scattered about the place it was an amazing space to work in they had to sort of rainproof the ceiling and stuff like that but the actual space was vast it's as big as the the james bond sound stage um wow. and the set that they built there i mean i'm not just saying it, it is without a shadow of doubt the best set i've ever worked on because it was very it reminded me of like a theater set i mean that's the thing that really amazed me about this story is that when i first read the scripts and i thought how Logical as that. How believable is an underground operating theatre underneath a tube station in London? How plausible is that? And when you actually look into it, there is vast amounts of space that are just disused. There are just endless tunnels that nobody knows anything about. And um, I think that's the great thing about the show is that it, it's, very, it's just totally believable. You know, the sort of geography of it, how they get down there and, and what tunnels they use, it all kind of fits together superbly well. And without giving the game away in terms of the ending, I just wonder, you, you sound really hyped for it. Would, would you like to see a second series? Yes, I would. I um, We're all signed up for a second series. And I think the of all the shows that I've worked on, the finale of this show just completely hits it out of the park. What's wonderful about the end is that it leaves it open to so many different possibilities and storylines. I, I, yeah. I'd blow up Sky headquarters if it doesn't get <laughs> if it doesn't get a second series, but you know who knows.
Uh, well, you're so busy. You've obviously just done Good Omens that has gone out on Amazon, but that's going to relaunch on BBC One. Oh, it's yes, quite it is, isn't strange, it? isn't it, that you're doing it for sort of two... Two governors, I suppose, but that was yeah. just massive. You know, billboards in New York. Yeah, and I mean, huge, huge publicity ca- campaign for, for Good Omens. But I mean, again, it was a, a joy to be part of. And I did London Comic Con about a month ago. And the amount of people that were dressed up as uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant's characters was extraordinary. They had the wings and everything. They would pour a ripcord on their costume. <laughs> and their wings would just extend out like this. It was sort of something to behold. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm really bu- I'm busy, busy. I've got so Temple's out and I've got another sh- comedy show on Sky with Stephen Graham called Code 404, which we're really excited about. Got a five episode series for that. And I think there's an appetite to do that again. I mean, uh, when you hear the name Stephen Graham, you don't think comedy. Well, no, this was, this was the thing. So Stephen and I worked together on a show called Top Buzzer. Stephen Graham is is my Scylla Black. He introduced me. <laughs> you might be saying this. He introduced me to my future wife because she was a makeup artist on that, uh, Lou. And I think both of us were really petrified of asking each other out. And Steve stepped in and said, just ask her to the pictures or something, which I did. And the rest is history. But that was written by Johnny Vaughan and Ned Allen. That was like the world's first dope opera. You know, It was a, <laughs> it was a bit like the uh, Johnny Vegas thing, uh, Ideal. So Stephen and I stayed friends and we were constantly, you know, talking, we'd love to do something together again. Then I got approached by Walls from Power Productions, Tom Miller and Sam Meyer, and they said, look, we've got this premise for this comedy. And it's about two police, two policemen, 10 years in the future. One gets gunned down and he comes back part man, part robot, stroke AI, but the wiring's all wrong. It's just a comedy of errors. And... I thought, wow, that sounds that sounds quite unusual. And I read the script, and it's by Danny Peake, Daniel Peake. It's it's hilarious. It's sort of gag every page, genuinely laugh out loud. And I was like, listen, I'm on board with this. And I met them, and I said, look, who are you thinking of the other role? And they went, well, it's early stages, we don't know yet. And I said, I just thought, what about Stephen Graham? And they were like, well, if you can get Stephen Graham, that would be... And I said, let's send in the script. He loved it. I mean, Stephen was coming off the back of Line of Duty, The Virtues, all the heavy stuff from Broadbook Empire. And I think we were both in a place where we thought, well, let's kind of just have some fun. And um, he loved it. And it was genuinely the most enjoyable five weeks working. We had to put on 20 minutes each day because we were just corpsing <laughs> so much. I mean, it will have a sensational outtakes reel, Code 404. <laughs> I literally cannot wait for you all to see it. I can't wait to see it. And you're on a massive Netflix project at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm getting exhausted even talking about it. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm in the middle of a show called White Lines, which is my... F- I've never worked for Netflix before. But it's all set in the clubs of Ibiza. It's got a great cast, Angela Griffin, Lawrence Fox. So it's like Har- Laura Haddock is a sensational lead actress in it but it's half spanish actors half english and it's written by the brilliant alex pina who's behind money heist which is like netflix most successful foreign export it's really really exciting because without giving anything away i'm sure they'll be on the phone if i do but there are sort of two time frames of it so there's a whole array of younger actors who are playing our characters 20 years ago and it's about it's a sort of murder mystery set in the underbelly of Ibiza 
So we're filming in Madrid, Mallorca, and we had three days in Ibiza itself. So it's great. It's, nice work it, if you can get it. It's nice, you know. I shot in Southall Sugar Puff Factory for Temple. <laughs> On Code 404, I was in an abandoned animal f- testing facility. Lovely. In Dagnum. <laughs> I'm sure Good Omens, there were some bad, bad locations. So if there was any actor that's working at the moment that needed a bit of sun, uh, yeah. it's me. <laughs> and just to finish up, Danny, we, we, we always ask what you're watching on TV. What, what sort of stuff you've liked to watch recently? I watched the first episode of A Confession. I think that was the last thing I watched, which was brilliant. And I, I obviously know Jeff Pope from Mrs. Big's days. And um, Jeff just has that uncanny gift to sort of really find a, a amazingly interesting stories which are based in reality so um i'm really looking f- and you know i love martin freeman so um i'm looking forward to watching watching that i've watched a lot of documentaries actually though recently you know obviously working for netflix i'm um really looking at that now and the content on there and i've really latched on to the documentaries on there and obviously I've, I've got some spare time when i'm working i sort of i sat through the whole of the Madeleine McCann documentary, which was just astonishing, really, to sort of revisit that story. I feel like I'm just getting drawn to documentaries more and more. It's such an amazing art form in, in a way, isn't it? Do they give you free Netflix? No, no, I haven't got free Sky. I mean, that's what, what I know. What? That's I've a, got free Sky. <laughs> Have you got <laughs> yeah, free yeah, Sky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I've got Thank two, you, Sky, by the way. I've got two Sky shows going on at the moment. So can someone call someone and <laughs> sort this out? I'll have a word, Danny. When we've can finished, you have up, a word? finished up, I'll sort it out. Yeah, you know, worry. I'm paying through the nose. And I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping the network going. What's going on? <laughs> That's a really nice place to end. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so it much. It is if I get free yeah, Sky. Yeah, it, it is for me, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. You can watch Temple on Sky One Fridays at 9 o'clock. Well worth a watch. And it's on Now TV as well. Right, let's talk about a couple of new BBC Two shows now. Let's start with new sitcom, Defending the Guilty. You might think, oh, I'm sure I've seen that already, and you probably have because there was a pilot on last year of the first episode. But if you're coming to it new, Jeffers, set this up. Is it funny? It is funny, actually. Yeah, it's based on a memoir of a criminal barrister called Alex McBride, uh, wrote in 2010. It's basically about sort of behind the scenes of being a barrister, if you like, and that it not being all so super serious or super stiff and them not all thinking what they're doing is like God's work or whatever. And so you've got two main characters. You've got a guy called Will, played by Will Sharp, and Caroline, played by Catherine Parkinson. Basically, Caroline is the one who's fully qualified. She's the barrister, and Will's sort of the little trainee running around. He still thinks he's, you know, everything's perfect, and she's sort of giving him a reality check, and you sort of see the the sort of hoops they go through and the kind of slightly dodgy things they do, I guess, behind the scenes before they get into court. Will is a bit of a misfit and a bit he's struggling. He's sort of hoping he's going to get fully qualified, but he's kind of got competition with some other trainees. And so it's kind of set up like that. I've seen some comparisons. People saying it's a bit of a legal version of the thick of it or green wing. I guess that's the kind of, that's the right sort of comparisons. It's pretty good. I didn't absolutely adore it, but it, it was pretty funny. I think the two leads, uh, Catherine and Will, both pretty good. So I will probably carry on watching it. What did you think? Yeah, it's the same writer as Cuckoo, and I think you can see that and feel that in the humour. I thought it was very funny, but yeah, I mean, not not the funniest thing I've ever seen, and I think it might go under the radar just because there's so many shows out at the moment. But it is refreshing because you feel like 
you know, you know this profession because we've seen it so many times on TV and then being so, you know, stiff, like you say. But actually, it was fun to see a different side of it. It was a bit silly in places, but also Catherine Parkinson has some really sharp one-liners that really sort of took me by surprise and I thought were funny. So I definitely think it's worth watching. And I wish there were more shows like that that were just half an hour. Probably doesn't really matter which order you watch them in, even though there are threads that go through. But really, you can just enjoy any half an hour. And, you know, TV, because it's become so cinematic and amazing... Sometimes we lose just something you can shove on when you get in and just enjoy for a little bit. So I quite like it for that. Yeah, that's totally right. There's not too much hard thinking to be done or heavy lifted with this. Like you say, you can just watch it in. You're not going to be rolling about on the floor, but you are going to get a few laughs. I think Catherine Parkinson really deserves like a big role at this. She really leads the cast. And I think, yeah, Will Sharp's also pretty funny. I presume as things go on, he's going to get into a lot of scrapes. Even in this first show, he's he's struggling and he's he's making a lot of mistakes. And there's a very funny scene where he's in the courtroom, just sort of almost like tripping over himself, both like physically and verbally. And so I think it's pretty decent. And it's one of those also maybe on a Sunday with a bit of a hangover, you could sort of watch about three or four of these back to back and it might help the headache go away. <laughs> well, you're not speaking from experience at all, are you there, Maybe, Jeffrey? maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about Sarah Cox, friend of the podcast, uh, because she's back with series two of Love in the Countryside. I love this, so I'm going to talk about it first because I just think there are so many dating shows on TV that you just think, to me, the stress of being single is the awkwardness of of all of this stuff. And you see something like First Dates and they sort of show that a little bit, but I don't know, not enough. This, to me, is kind of the most relatable dating show on telly, not because of their situation, because their situation is quite unique. They all live on farms or whatever. But that kind of putting yourself out there after a little while, I just think it's lovely and it's warm. And Sarah obviously genuinely wants to find them a match. So what happens is people on farms or living in rural communities, they haven't had time to get out there dating. It's all been quite difficult. And then she puts them on the Internet find some suitors but then it's a very gentle process to try and find someone who will fit in with their life did you watch series one of this Jeffers this was completely new to me and I've got to say it's the first time I've ever seen uh, anyone on a dating show go to some dates wearing a fleece I like that (laughs) I'm talking about uh, Martin he's 43 he famously says during the first episode cows are great but you can't take them to Nando's great line he's got a very good point there (laughs) you fit the nail on the head I think I put uh, in my notes it's not your usual sort of really showy people who go on dating shows it's very much not take me out is it it's you know people who genuinely I think are looking for a companion or a partner you're seven people in this series I think and they're trying to match them all up but they are yeah because of their work essentially that they're struggling to find dates I think in many cases they look like it should be fairly easy to find love so I would imagine by the end of this series at least a couple of them are going to get paired up and you really kind of invest in them you have a little bit more time with them than usual you see their background you see their families but it doesn't feel exploitative like a lot of these shows do so I'm a big fan Now it's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. Each week, one of our favourite faces from the telly tells us a must-see series. Last week, Chris Marshall from Sanderton chose the documentary Free Solo. This week, it's the turn of BBC Breakfast and Strictly star Mike Bushell. Uh, Let's have a listen to his choice. Hello there, I'm Mike Bushell from BBC Breakfast and at the moment, for a few weeks maybe at least, uh, Strictly Come Dancing. And so my uh, box set to die for would have to be Alan Partridge's Mid-Morning Matters. Oh master, grant that I may never seek So much to be controlled as to control To be understood as to understand To be loved as to love with all my heart Make me a channel of your peace. 
and so on and so forth. That was our hymn of the day. It's 10am and this is Midmorning Matters with me, I, Alan Partridge. Two series of this absolute little gem. Um, I love it so much because I can watch it again and again and again, and each time I watch it, I find new, amazing little nuggets to laugh at. The, the real reason people have a go at Bernie Eccleston is because he has the first name of a dinner lady and he goes out with giant women. What about the fact that he cozies up to dictators and torturers? He's not a torturer. No, he does business with torturers. Precisely. He's so small he could barely pick up a cattle prod. Uh, you know, he wears kids' clothing. Watch out for him next time there's a wet Grand Prix. His wellies have got Spider-Man on. It's so intricate and so delicately done and so realistic about this fails TV host who's now working on North Norfolk Digital doing the mid-morning show, Mid-Morning Matters. And he has phone-ins about which is your favourite condiment and shouts at a listener because I think they say Branston Pickle is a condiment and he's arguing, no, that, that, that's, a sort, that's a reddish not a condiment. It's, it's that sort of level. And as someone in broadcasting myself, it is frighteningly true, I think, of some people and brilliantly observant. That's my box set to die for. Here's a guy who's got a mouth like a snare and a voice like a cat trapped in one. It's Shane McGowan and the Porgs. Thanks, Mike. Thanks also for rebranding the segment Box Set to Die For. I think that's better. However he wants to die is fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan Partridge, strong choice, surely? It is a strong choice. It's not necessarily the series that most people would go for. I think they might go for an earlier one, which was on the Beeb, or even maybe this time, the most recent one, which kind of got a Marmite response, but some people seem to really love. This is the series that was on... Uh, Sky Atlantic, ran for a couple of series, actually started out as a YouTube thing and then Sky commissioned it. And um, yeah, it's all about when he was on radio and it's when he's sort of really hit a low spot and he's quite a sort of failure, I guess, in comparison to Alan's sort of the persona of Alan anyway, being a big TV star. So it is very funny. Also, he had his sidekick played by Tim Key and it is a really good one. Um, And I don't think necessarily all our listeners will have watched it. So it might be worth them going on ITV and taking a look. Brilliant. I think I might because I saw the early Partridge. I've seen the most recent, but I sort of wandered off midway through. So that's a good shout. Thank you, Mike. Good luck on Strictly. You're going to do amazingly well, I'm sure, with Katia. Uh, There's going to be another box set to watch before you die next week. almost it for this episode of series linked but we can't let you go without the best bit i know i know that's what you're waiting for so jeffers this is your moment what should we be keeping an eye on not just next week but also next month and next year start with next week next week we've got a big new period drama on bbc one called world on fire it's written by uh, peter borko an award winner and it's got a really really good uh, a-list cast you've got sean bean helen hunt leslie manville blake harrison this one is really good. It's quite an unusual war drama in the sense that it's a lot about love to do with freedom. There's different friendships. There's sort of family aspects. So it's not just all sort of bombs and shooters. It's quite an interesting one. And that's going to be starting now next week. OK, what about next month? Next month, uh, Lord Sugar said on Twitter that The Apprentice is back. I'm not sure how everyone feels about this anymore. It used to be a serious business show. To me now, it's a bit of a pantomime, to be honest with you. But I'm sure we'll look at it on the pod and it generally still has its moments and can be quite funny, I think. Good for the sales of wheelie suitcases, I think. And next year. Next year, I just want to mention about a couple of things coming back. Uh, Shakespeare and Hathaway and Father Brown, both really big daytime hits. They've got a really big uh, commission. So they're going to be back both in 2020 and 2021. So they're both coming back for two new series. But on daytime? Daytime still, yeah. But it's quite a big commitment for the Bieber, throwing a bit of money at these two, because obviously they have got fans both during daytime and I think on iPlayer as well now. Fantastic. Thanks, Jeffers. Very informative, as ever. 
That's all we have time for, I'm afraid. This has been the Series Linked podcast. If you've enjoyed it, and obviously we really hope that you have, go on, do it today. Do us a favor, leave us a five-star rating and a review. We would love you for it. And make sure you've subscribed as well so you can catch the next episode when it drops on Tuesday morning. For now, though, bye-bye. See you later. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.